welcome to The Highway, episode, not going to say it, because once again, I'm told not to say that, because we have no idea what order we're going to release these in. Uh, This is the third podcast, right? It's me? Yes. That we've done off-site. This one is in Kansas City, and we are in a hotel room um, at the Sheraton at the Policeman's Ball, right? Yeah. So tonight... don't have balls. Policemen, also, policemen don't. Yes, yes, we have a, uh, a guest on here. Do maybe. pigs have balls? Uh, <laughs> I can tell this is going to go really good immediately. We're definitely already on the stage. This is going right where we needed to go. So, yeah, uh, off site, but uh, got two, one prior guest, one new guest who's going to be kind of our main uh, topic of this uh, potty. But we have the SME is here, and then we have Trom. Back, baby. He's back. Back, baby. Yeah, trauma's clean back. Clean set of pants. <clears throat> Which I'm going to say, yeah, clean set of pants. <laughs> if you've heard the other episode, we know that Trom often does not have a clean set of pants. Um, it happens. Bird is not here. Bird could not make it. Uh, once again, I'll say that he died since every right, episode. Uh, every episode that he can't make, we say that he died somehow because most likely he it's is a tragic dead. event. Yeah. But Smee's here. Smee, you doing good? I'm doing great. All right, so she's going to be here with any sort of questions that we have. She's a subject matter expert in nothing mm-hmm. other than Googling things that we it's need Google. Subject matter expert in Googling. In Googling, mm-hmm. yeah. And Trom, how's it going with you? <laughs> Glad to be here, baby. <laughs> Glad to be here. You are uh, how many bush lights deep at this point? Two bush and a tall boy. Two bush Four. and a tall boy. So, t- okay. Four. 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 Good. All right. Math checks out all that. Feeling good? Hey, this is this. I'm just I'm just gre- greasing the tracks. Greasing the it's, tracks. I mean, it's, it's I still got like 12 more hours. Oh. <laughs> All right, I have a feeling this is gonna go yeah, great. Yeah. All right, then we have our uh, a guest that I've been excited about. Talked about him on the very first episode, and I said we were gonna have him on, though I didn't even ask him. Yeah, that's bold. Yeah, I just uh, thought that he would say yes, and he did. So here we are. Appreciate him coming out because it's a Saturday. So taking time out of his day, and we're just going to go with Greg. I really now am regretting not having a better code name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can go with like G Dog, G Man, G G Unit, G Unit. Yeah, yeah. that's probably pretty good. Get your ass in the car. So we're going with G Unit, Greg. Greg's right. All right, fine. It's outed. I'm already out. Yeah, he's outed. I go by my name, so it is what yeah. it is at this point. But um, so I'm excited well, we to have Greg here. Out, so. What's that? I said we know you're out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's not like the connection is not going to be made. So excited to have Greg here in his area. Uh, I know Greg through work. Um, always excited when he's around. It's a good time. Wealth of knowledge. I enjoy his views on leadership. I enjoy his views on policing in general. So super glad that you oh, thanks, are. Man. Super glad you're here. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I love watching. Uh, one thing. I, Watching you instruct, it's oh, cool. it's a really cool thing. And instructing in police is really hard to do because you know you're dealing with all these personalities that think that they maybe know how to do it better. Sure, but you present it in such a way that's like, hey, I'm not anybody but me. And, and if you have something different, I can we can discuss that. I watch how you treat people; it's always awesome. And uh, I call them Gun Show when I'm walking around the academy. I'm like, "What's up, Gun Show?" That that's true. Yeah, yeah. Hates <clears throat> yeah I oh, yeah, no. I can't stand so it. I run away. Cries yeah. every night. I don't look at the agenda and see when he's there. Then yeah. I go up yeah. to make sure. Seek out that. Yeah. Well, he goes and change shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Do a couple push-ups. On the note of shirts, because when we were talking about the shirts we gave you guys yeah. for being on the podcast, we asked what size you would need, yeah. and he's like, "Well, he's probably my size, so like maybe a large." And I'm like. But does he wear tight clothes? Or 
What size is he really? <laughs> Just saying. He, your size is a little skewed from... He went with a large, though. I called yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, it was fine. But I, I had to clarify because, you know, baby gap is... Is my thing. I get it. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Got to have. So that's, uh, that's Trom digging into his uh, next bush. Uh, but no, I appreciate you saying that, Greg. Awesome. Uh, also enjoy uh, watching you instruct every time. Um, comes into the, uh, uh, or does a lot of new uh, per, new hire. I shouldn't say, I'll just say new hire. I'll keep it at that. Yeah. Uh, new hire training and everybody always loves it and nothing but positive reviews for you. So, so what kind of training does Greg So yeah, I think we, that's yeah. what we get into yeah. is, uh, so can maybe tell us who you are and your, maybe what you do now, kind of your career path and we'll go from there if that yeah. sounds good. sounds good. So you know, I started out here in the Kansas City metropolitan area. I came from a you know small town. So, where'd you? Or if you don't like North yeah, Missouri, or? Macon, Missouri, five thousand people. Okay. Um, we had two traffic lights at the time that I was uh, left there, and then I come to Kansas City, and I'm like, "What did I get into?" So this was your first assignment. Yeah. Here? Okay. Yeah. So, my wife's originally from here, and so that worked out well that we got to come back. Mm-hmm. So what was funny is I I came out and I was with my FTO, and he's like. So what do you want to get into? And I'm like, let's do drug interdiction. And he's like, oh, we don't do that here. Oh, okay. And I'm like, what? I was really disappointed because I grew up, you know, in the in the agency, and uh, um, I always followed people's careers a lot like kids would follow baseball players. Sure. I thought I'd see these guys knock down amazing loads of dope, you know, off of like stopping cars for five over or something like that. I'm like, how did they do that? And I thought that's what I want to do with my career. So I got into it came out on the road and they're like, no, nah, we don't do that here. I'm like, that's crazy. And then I, I got my first you know, big drug seizure. It was like a couple pounds of mushrooms and, and some meth and ecstasy and stuff. Now, was course. that on FTO? No, it was like okay. a couple months after getting off FTO. Okay. And my, my sergeant's like, whoa, that's a career stop. And I'm like, holy cow, man, I got like 30 years to go. I'm sure. just cruising to <laughs> retirement, baby. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> Off of one stop, You're baby. done. Yeah, You're promoted. Like, I, hope that, I hope that's not it. <laughs> and so it was absolutely, you know, yeah. a luck scenario right there for sure. And um, then I got another seizure at one point, and my sergeant's like, man, that's a career stop. And then I started thinking, man, how can I make this luck repeatable? Sure. And, so I started bothering a lot of people across the country that were really good at doing that stuff. Uh, this guy named Sean Smart from the Ohio State Highway Patrol, he was just so gracious with his knowledge. And he actually grew up in Boonville, Missouri. Um, so I, I picked his brain all the time. I was always bugging him. And um, anyway, so I started focusing on you know, driving behaviors, behaviors of people, and uh, started recognizing that, that that's what led me into success was focusing on that. Sure. So, you know, furthermore, it was like, man, there's not, it's not eight or uh, race, age, ethnicity, nothing like that. It's it's focusing on people's behaviors. And so I, I started doing that, and, and uh, it was something I really wanted to do, and eventually I got onto an interdiction team. It's just me. Can I ask you how long it took you to get onto the interdiction team? Like 10 years. So I'm like, dang, okay. 10 years into my, uh, into my career, um, you know, I, I had gone through, like, working on the road, you know, and doing patrol stuff, and then... Um, I went into a commercial vehicle enforcement assignment, okay. which probably pretty it. lame. I hated it. Pretty lame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait a second. Well, pretty I, lame. I was getting excited. Then I heard, I heard C, you know, commercial vehicle. Oh, okay, here they we go. sold it as an interdiction thing to me, and I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm down they to climb." Okay. Yeah. So we're talking inspections and stuff at that point, right? Or? Okay. Right. And so, uh, 
I was really stoked to do that, and it, it panned out nothing like that. And I had a terrible leader. And how long were you on that? One year. Oh damn! The training. It doesn't was, take long, yeah, yeah, to realize that, yeah. It yeah. sucks. I was. I had training for terrible leadership. Yeah. Three months was how long the training was, and I came out, and I had this terrible leader yeah. who was constantly bouncing what his objectives were, like, uh, "No, we're not going to do that. Now we're going to do this. We're going to focus on mm. this. We're going to focus on that." You know, and it just. It was so frustrating. Then I had an opportunity to get promoted right where I lived, so I decided to step out and get promoted. And then at that point, I got I applied for the interdiction team, and man, that was a great ten years. So I, I did that for another ten years okay. after that. Okay, I knew you were on the interdiction team for a while. Yeah, didn't know how long. Ten years. Yeah. Okay, because and if you don't know Greg, or if if you don't know Greg, how I know him is you taught I think in my academy too. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Um, and you're known statewide, at least through our agency, oh, as interdictor, yeah. like extraordinary. Yeah. Yes, I would never thought. I would never thought mm-hmm. that. Because, no, totally. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have interdiction questions, everybody tells us call. call you. Yep. Yeah, you without a doubt. Well, I'm happy to answer those questions, but you know, every time I talk to somebody from across the state or other areas of the country, I'm always learning from what they've just done. Sure. It's like when I hear somebody gets a big load or a really awesome arrest of like interdiction for protection of children or something my, I'll call them up and like hey what'd you see what you got you into this you know what, what can we do to replicate this success and that I'm always a student of the game and it's so exhilarating to me to find concealed criminal activity and so yeah I guess I'm going to provide the civilian uh, viewpoint yeah because you're the what, only non uh, so can we could explain a little bit like what an interdiction team does or you know kind of what the yeah the yeah so is, it's yeah. um Essentially, what interdiction does is we patrol the, the roadways looking for people who are engaged in criminal activity and using the, the roadways to further that criminal activity. Okay. And so I like to say that uh, criminal addiction is not just drug interdiction. It's criminal interdiction. Sure. Really mm-hmm. focus on that. And I always like to say that I'm an equal opportunity asshole arrester. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah. yeah. So that way the people... It's a sticker idea too. Yeah, you it does. Yeah, you get sixty percent of all sales. I think that's how that goes. <laughs> no, I just keep it all, man. I think everybody needs to know that you know we're out there to find anybody that's trying to victimize our community in sure. some way. Um, so I enjoyed the heck out of uh, interdiction, and I had I had a great partner. He taught me a lot, and I, I, I credit you know Brooks McGinnis. I'll say his name sure. for teaching me how to swim. And man, he was just so patient with me. And I think everybody needs a good mentor in their oh, career. Yeah. And I, I consider him to be one of those guys. But he had the dog, and we just would roll up and down the highways. And we got cool assignments to other parts of the state. We got to see what things were like in different areas. And we just had a blast for 10 years. Okay. Yeah, you guys hooked a lot of people. Again, before my time, I'm pretty yeah. sure. So what, what what year did you start real quick? Um, so with the... With the agency in 2001. Okay. And then uh, started doing interdiction in 2010. Dang. Okay. 2010. Yeah. And I'll say, y- you and Brooks, from my experience, you, like that's those are the names that always come up. Right? Well, what's interesting is like in our area, we just, we didn't have that reputation. And, really? Uh, you know, in, in our area, there wasn't, there wasn't a team like that. Sure. It was always someplace that was done someplace else. Gotcha. And uh, we're like, man, we got to change that because we know that we've got major interstates that come through our area, and there's criminals going up and down those highways every day. And we partnered up, and we just had a blast. Okay. So, so criminal interdiction, which I think probably the main thing to point out is beyond 
just a ticket, right? So right. I think a lot of people are focused on tickets or or meeting. A, and I'm not going to say the word quota. That's not what I mean because you know we don't have. Well, get that, your stops in. Yeah, get, get your, your stops in. Write your couple speed tally tickets. Tally, you, know, you know your your tick mark. Work your yeah. crashes. Right. I mean, yeah. so do you think that's that's the main part of success is from the interdiction standpoint mm-hmm. is not worrying about a tick mark. You're looking beyond just getting. What am I trying to say? I guess it, yeah, tick mark. I'm going to stick with that, right? Yeah. So you know, starting out, I always tell people when you're starting out, you just need to put a lot of cars on the shoulder, right? And you start to learn because I always tell people you don't know what normal is or abnormal is until you know what normal is. Mm-hmm. And if you can figure out what normal is, that abnormal is going to stick out. Sure. I mean, it's just like somebody walking into your house and farting. You're like. Somebody that's dropped out. Sure. Somebody that smell normally isn't here. I like that. And so it, it just sticks out that much. So it's like I would not get off the interstate for anything. Okay. I wouldn't stop to eat. I wouldn't stop to. I, I would piss on the in the on the shoulder. It just didn't matter. That's, uh, a, that's a fun game I still play. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, how how close to getting caught can I do? Yeah. Can you, know? you get? Yeah. It's like. It, like you're, and then you forget you turn your camera off. And yeah. It's like oh yeah, catching every bit of it. Yeah, like, I've learned the key that with a charger is you pop the trunk in the back because yeah. then it blocks the in cabin camera yeah. for seeing. Because yeah. I peed behind the charger before. Yeah, and it caught me. Yeah, so you got to pop that trunk. That's what I did. I'd always open my doors, you know, front and past. Oh yeah, back and front, yeah. and uh, I piss right there between the, the doors. You, you, you act, act, you like, act you're like you're reaching, reaching in, in, yeah, 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 so you just yeah. splatter all over your place. Yeah, it's everywhere. I'll just get my notebook back here. Yeah, no big deal. Don't stop. Okay. And then you go back into your car and you're like, my camera's on. Oh, yeah. And you go back and review it and you're like, how bad is it? And you're, you're looking at it and you're like, the camera does not add 10 pounds. It does not add, it does not add a couple inches. Let's just say that. He's a grower. Yeah, yeah. He's a grower. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I, would, I, I would focus on staying out there as much as possible and I encourage other people to do the same thing because, you know, we're looking for that one car that's going to be driving by this, you're looking for that split second that you have somebody right in front of you at 70 miles an hour and catching that reaction. And so if you, if you break off the interstate and you're, you're going to hang out and get coffee with the, okay. with the zone for an hour, or then sure. you go and eat lunch for an hour, then you go type reports for an hour, you know, you're missing out on that. So pretty yeah. much half your shift spent doing other things. And I wanted to make sure that my full eight hours was going to be spent watching that track. I think that's spot on, yeah. man. That's what, that's what, uh, that's dog being my a dog. Yeah, dog being a dog. Dog like being that. a dog. So yeah. going off what you just said. Thank you. Is uh, awesome. my first ev- evaluation was I didn't spend enough time with my zone because I didn't go eat with them and stuff. Yeah. I didn't want to go. And not that I didn't like them or anything, but I wanted to spend my eight hours Stopping cars, right, and looking for something. I have the so, same criticism. So it's interesting you say that. And, and, and my answer to that was always when I was uh, getting criticized for that because it came up in my evaluations also. I said, I'll, I'll hang out with you guys when you're backing me up. Sure. And that sounds really kind. No, no, it's but not. But I said, you know, when we're when we're stacking bundles on the on the shoulder, you know, we can get our picture together and remember how how cool and awesome. That sure. Was. Sorry. Yeah. How awesome this was. And, uh, Preach, baby. Love, yeah, man, you're just. This, this is why we had him, man. I'm you, I knew it. I knew we had to have him. Oh, no. I love that. So, so I, I really, um, I saw, Savage. I started to see the culture changing at, the, at that point in time, because I would hear people in my old area talking about, hey, there's an expired plate. Here's a good, you know, ten, twenty over car or something like that. And then when people started working around Brooks and I, they would start hollering out, 
hey, they had a good reaction from this person. That okay. Was, they started calling out behaviors. Okay. You know? And because I think a lot of people, in fact, I just had court this week where a defense attorney was challenging me on, hey, isn't it true that you stop cars with tinted windows that uh, have nice rims and stuff like that on it? I'm like, that might be true for some people, but that's that's not true for me. Okay. Because, you know, maybe you'll get something out of that, like a phone with a gun or sure. something like that, warrant suspended driver or something, but it, I really want to see that reaction. And people that are engaged in major criminal activity are tempted to conceal it. They're not going to flaunt that. And I think that when you start focusing on behaviors, you're just going to, you're just really going to open up. And I always tell people, it's like looking at one of those magic eye posters. You yeah. Know, you're yeah. like, eventually you'll see the Where image. you see the 3D thing. Yeah, we have yeah. to like go okay. cross eyed for a second. Yeah, and yeah that makes out. sense. I yeah. like that. Yeah, so if you, if you have somebody show you the tricks on seeing that magic eye uh, photograph and be able to see that 3D image, that's like what Brooks did for me. Okay. It's like, if you focus on this, that image will appear, and then you just can't stop seeing it. Man, that's... You're right. Yeah, you look at the same it, picture, you see it again. Man, that's awesome. But, I, but I'm looking at the, the rest of the agency. or You know, everybody's got different goals and objectives sure. and things that make them happy in their career, and I, I encourage everybody to pursue that. Um, but I'm looking at it as I really had a lot of fun attempting to locate people uh, engaging concealed criminal activity and trying to, to find them. And... But whatever it is, I just wanted those people to have the passion about it. But that, that magic eye thing, you know, people understand that, you know, it's just, it just frustrating to me that people don't get that mentorship through their career to, to experience that, you know, because yeah. I know they want to, yeah. right? And so in 2016, um, we had some good leadership that's like, hey, we're spending a lot of money on sending people to other trainings, and they're coming back and they're not, they're not producing. So we want you guys to put together a training that is relevant to our specific agency and our policies and put that training on for our people. Now, are we talking at the new higher level at this point? No, this point in time, it was, uh, it was the uh, people that have been on for a while. Okay. So we, already, um, we would seek out those people that had an interest in criminal interdiction. Uh, people that kind of showed a propensity for it. Is that the criminal patrol yeah, class that's or the whatever? Okay, patrol class. Yeah. All right. I've sat through that. Yeah, yeah. that's very so, good. So it's a, we uh, we put that together, and uh, I became the coordinator for that class. And I would just try to draw the talent from all around the state. Yeah, and get them to come in and, and uh, take the class and just really expand their their uh, capabilities. It was always awesome because we'd have guys drive home from the training, and I'd get a phone call while I'm driving back from Jefferson City, and they're like. Bro, I just hit this felony warrant on a behavior. Nice. Mm -hmm. and I just got this off of, you know, seeing this guy react to my okay. presence like this. And is that a two-day two day class? That is a five-day class. Five-day, okay, yeah. shoot. So okay. we, we break it down chronologically. So it's like, um, first off, I want you to have the mindset of criminal patrol, what that what that requires. And that's where we're talking about pissing the median and eating. Right, right. You're bringing your lunch. Being which, a dog, yeah. Yeah, it really is because, you know, I, th I think that you got to have your mind right first off before you can do any of this stuff. And then we go from there into, you know, tactics for criminal patrol, maybe how we uh, set up different things that you might see around the country, all the way from mobile patrol to stationary patrol to ruse checkpoints to hotel motel, train interdiction, bus interdiction, which are all things that I ended up doing later in my career. Um, but then we go into talking about behaviors and we're talking about that fight or flight response the the limbic brain response that people have to okay. the presence of law enforcement and sorting those out from 
uh, other people that are traveling down the interstate. Because everybody freaks out when they see a cop and sure. a little bit over the speed limit. But when you've got that person that's always already traveling at or below the speed limit, they see you and they slow down a little bit further. And one of my favorite things to do is stand outside my car and just watch. <laughs> Dukes up just as they pass, just flexing at them. Takes a swing at them as they drive by. Yeah, with your medium shirt. Exactly. Yeah. Nice tailored. Just daring someone to look at you. Okay. So you know, we would we would just stand outside of our cars and just look at people as they go by. But you got to think that the one person that's traveling from point A to point B to continue their criminal activity, and now. On the course of this trip, the one fucker they're concerned about is now sitting in the median, standing there, not running a radar oh, gun or anything, yeah. and they're looking intently at you. <laughs> yes, you're gonna have that's like divine. I know. Like I don't want to drive home. Right? I know. Yeah. Like, I'm sitting here like I would. You know, I, would I would roll my car. I'm yeah, I saw these immediately crash. Yeah. I'm not oh, doing yeah. these activities, but I'd be like, what the fuck is going but on? But you're looking at me. Yeah, you know, like I'm like, like well, you just yeah. looked at what's happened? You know, it's it's those other guys that are driving by and they're like. Oh. They've been driving through all of Kansas looking nothing but cornfields for all yeah. this time. Yeah. <laughs> and then they then they get to Missouri and they see this see trooper standing in the media and they're like, they don't want to look at him all of a sudden. They mm-hmm. want to look over this cornfield they've seen for the last 400 miles. <laughs> or like Brooks would have his dog out and his dog would be on the end of his leash taking a shit. And everybody else driving by is like, oh, that's adorable. Uh, trooper dog taking a shit. And, uh, and then you get that one guy that wouldn't even, yeah. he would just freak out. Yeah. He wouldn't even look at that dog. He'd be like, yeah, like an intimidation factor, right? That that's gonna divide people out. Whereas me, as you, know, I would just be like, "Well, what's going on there?" And then just yeah. keep going about my business. Yeah, it's my filter for one hundred percent. Yeah, so like, I'm not gonna stop you. Yeah. But if I do, and we'll move into that aspect of the training. Is then once you select the vehicle, and I, I show them videos of the cars that I've stopped and um, what they're doing as they're going to the shoulder. So like the long stop, you know, when people take sure. a forever long time to stop. And I, we, we break that down of what they're doing. But the long stop's a pretty indicative thing of, of somebody that's clearly concerned about sure. what's getting ready to happen. And as I'm talking about this, I'm talking about building that probable cause pizza. So, you know, I've seen that reaction. That's me rolling out the dough. I've, then they, they have another driving behavior after I pull out of the meeting to try to uh, make contact with them. That's another piece of the uh, probably the, cost pizza. On the sauce. Oh, yeah. the sauce. I'm, not, I'm not an interdictor, but that's got to be some sauce. Yeah. Yeah, throw the sauce on okay. there. <laughs> now now I, I put them on the shoulder and they're taking a long time to stop. That's a little bit more cheese on there. Yeah. Throw the toppings on there at that point in time. Jesus. And then I am you know, I get there and I make contact with them and the, the oven, you know, slide this whole <laughs> piece. Damn, I'm going to cook this thing. Okay, I'm getting excited to stop talking about it. So I'm going to cook them and I'm going to cook them with about five questions. And it's, it's rapid assessment. It's nothing that if I stopped you and you're just going down the interstate and you're doing nothing, I would hope that you'd be able to talk to Ryan and say, I just got you know stopped by you know, Greg and he was really cool. Uh-huh. And I didn't, you didn't feel like you were being interdicted. So I'm not asking like, inter, you know, I'm not acting like it's an interrogation. I'm not doing the trooper knife hand and, you know, <laughs> yeah. hat brim on and everything sure, like that. Sure. But it's, what I'm really trying to cover is where are you coming from, where are you going to, how long you've been there, what was the purpose of your trip, and then what do you do for a living? So those five questions all come up during my interview. And it, typically I can get those questions rolling with one question, which is, what are y'all doing today? Sure. And then they'll let me know. And then, you know, I, I talked in the class about the quality of those answers. And 
things that drug traffickers are going to have to tell me because you have to lie about one or all of those questions mm-hmm. if you're engaged in criminal activity. <laughs> you know Get your mean? car. Let's go. Yeah. I'm going right now. We're doing this Where right Where are you going? Now. I don't know. Interstate. <laughs> We're taking Greg <laughs> with us. We're going right citizens or last night. So as I as you sort through those questions, you got to lie about one or all of those uh, yeah. of those answers. And so I also want people to pay attention to body language, the quality of their answers, and what they're doing uh, during the the course of that uh, the questioning. Sure. And I'm doing this all while conducting the business related to the traffic stop. But if you're an innocent person, I'm going to hear truthful answers. I've made enough of these car stops in my career to know what's what's normal versus abnormal. I'm, I know the quality of responses I should be getting. Um, but these people are just melting. Like I'm asking yeah. them, you know, like I like I have a gun to their head, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just melting, and they just can't withstand that pressure. Mm-hmm. And so then at that point in time, we go into talking about getting consent for search and all the case law that's uh, that goes along with everything related to interdiction. Sure. And that's where I think we end up failing a lot of times because I look at like uh, supervisors and stuff that have guys that come back from this class and they're like oh you can't do that and oh shoot okay. you know and so it's, there's a big educational gap between sure. the the folks that are even coming through the the police academies and then you've got these supervisors you're trying to supervise these high performers or these guys trying to get into that kind of stuff and they don't they don't understand that aspect of it so are they telling them why they can't do that, or they just is yeah, it just too aggressive or too prog- progressive, or why are they telling them they can't do? I had things? somebody tell me that they're not op- uh, they're not comfortable operating the gray area, and I, I find that. Incredible. I mean, don't we live in the gray area? <laughs> I like, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, as cops, but it's really I mean, not. I mean, seriously, don't we live in the gray area as cops? I, I, my thing is like, it's just like basketball, man. If you understand the rules of the game, sure, it's not you gray. can play it a lot. It's not gray. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. You can yeah. play it a lot better. So like. You know, like the, the Chiefs when they won the Super Bowl, they downed the the ball right there at the one inch line. That way, they could kick a field goal no, and that they control could the clock, it out, right? Yeah. So yeah. that that was completely within the rules. Mm-hmm. That was a great strategy. Us using Ren versus United States. Us using the Carroll Doctrine. Us using all these other things like Pennsylvania versus Mims, Maryland versus Wilson. Those are all things that we have in our tool belt that we're not using, and that some supervisors feel like that is a uh, a gray area. Man, that's far from it. We've had we've had this discussion before, you know, that, that it's completely within um, what is allowed. <laughs> I hope that Mike is picking it up. It's definitely, if you can hear any feedback, it's definitely Trom taking a leak in the background right now. Man, it's like he's pouring it out of a five-gallon <laughs> yeah. bucket. It's just the door's not shut. <laughs> yeah, he definitely did not shut the door. So let me ask you a question on, on this topic. Oh, apparently he's, he's just like, going to shout from the bathroom. Just he's just letting us know his hydration status. <laughs> it's all good, guys. So, I'm well hydrated. I want to ask you a question, kind of on what you're talking about. And I, I'm not trying to interrupt you, but it, it came to mind. since you know Trump's peeing and now flushing in the background, <laughs> this is probably a good. I, there's no way to edit this out. This yeah, no, here, you're so. going to hear the, the the peeing in the in the, in the toilet. So you know, talking about these different cases, which you know, I, I tell our guys is, you know, it's cool to drive fast, it's cool to do all these things, but where you really where you, where you really make your career is where you understand what you can and can't do legally, yes. right? So my question to you is, you know, you have these supervisors that you're saying, hey, I don't want to live in the gray area, or I don't want you, I'm not comfortable with you being in the gray area. Do you think it's because they don't understand yes. what they can and can't do? Absolutely. Okay. So they would be comfortable with it maybe, if they understood. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I almost feel like 
and I refer to it I refer to it as trooper folklore where they don't understand what the origin is of their mm -hmm. their beliefs so they 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 don't understand the origin of why they're saying the things they say sure so like I see a lot of confusion over wingspan searches I see a lot of confusion over what the how far we can go in a vehicle search sure. and things like that but we have case law from the Supreme Court that really lays all that out very well that they've just not taken the time to either refresh upon or or, or read themselves okay so it, you know I call it all toilet material toilet material being stuff that you can read while you're taking a shit right you know and just get brushed up on on your policies get brushed up on case law this is all stuff that you can do um, instead of reading the back of a shampoo bottle or, or uh, you know scrolling Instagram you could be right scrolling Google Scholar and saying I'm interested about these these circumstances of a traffic stop what case law sure know, tells me that I can do the things that I can do so do you find that and I think Trump may agree with me on this because I know there's a lot of uh, I don't know, supervisors, if you will, that I know we deal with. Because we're more drunk hunters, right? I mean, I'm going to be oh, honest no, with you. I, I don't. Hey, and I want to be really, really clear. Um, criminal addiction includes DWI. Oh, sure. Uh, everything and, you're saying. I yeah. mean, like from yeah. the, the long We're stop looking at to, each other going, to, this is to exactly the, what we talk about. three questions I ask, and I... I'm, I'm, I'm eyeballing them. Within five seconds, I'm like, you know, I'm like, they're going to jail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, everything from that three questions on. Out. You're like, yep. now I just yep. have to present yep. from now, the court. Now, now I got to get. Yep. Yeah, now I got to just put the bow on my case. Yeah. But they're done. Yeah. So what you're saying again? We keep looking at each other, but I'm going, dude. This is yeah. what we yeah. talk about or teach, DWI wise, and you're talking about, you know, criminal interdiction, which, yeah. you know, I, I get it includes it. In my mind, it's a much broader. Um, topic i guess and what we deal with because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm usually honed in on, I'll, I'll tell no. myself i'm usually honed in on is this guy drunk because that's what i like to yep. yep absolutely because um, listen to this this is my and i heard it from a really good supervisor that i had in my career but he said a dwi is a homicide looking for a place to happen oh yeah i like that yeah a dwi no. is a homicide looking for a place to happen and if we're not putting those people on the shoulder, we're messing up. Sure. You look no further than in Kansas City. I know. A couple yeah. days ago, yeah. that officer, sure, mean, drunk driver, killed him. Sure, man, no. killed killed him and his, his dog and a pedestrian. And, and, and a pedestrian. Yeah, it's incredibly tragic. So I, you know, I'm going to tell myself for a second. I I find my you know looking back, and, and I, I've admitted this before. I'm not too big to admit this. Looking back, I've probably been honed in on. Not probably. I know I've been honed in on, is this person drunk or high? And how do I get to the point of where I need to be to arrest this person, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, listening to what you're saying, I haven't, and I think Tron would agree, because, again, oh, we have a, our career path is pretty similar. Probably slow down a little bit. And, yeah. yeah. I've probably missed things. I know I've missed oh, things. Absolutely. I'm not going to say probably, because that's, that's a coward's way out. I've missed things because I've been honed in on one thing. Yeah, not even yes. one it. Not even wanting. Right. You're on to the next, you know, the next drink. I, I got one drunk. Yeah. I, and while I'm yep. processing this drunk, I'm going, where's the next yep. guy? Right? Mm -hmm. I already know well, I got well, this guy. Well, then right in front of you, you have somebody giving you, you know, two, three lies, and but, sure. but they're not drinking. Sure. Down the road, yeah. the guy. So yeah. I, I got two questions for you that I've written down here. So number one, with supervisors, do you think it's just they're not updating themselves? Like, Because I think what I find is a lot of, uh, sergeants or, or zone sergeants stick to the way they were trained. Mm -hmm. So like the way they were trained in the academy. And then now 15 years later, a new guy's going, well, no, this is the way it is. 
An example that I'm going to use is city speed limits. So a lot of times I get calls where I'm at is, well, Can you can't we stop. Enforce yeah, it? you can't stop people for city speed limits. So question number one is, do you think that's a uh, kind of on the supervisors and that they're living in the past and what they know versus updating themselves? I would say they don't what they think they know. Because, sure. again, back to the, the urban legend of law enforcement, they, they were told this by a training officer, they heard this from another officer, but they've never taken the time to research the origin of that belief. And that's important for us to continue to do, is to understand why it is that we're, we're telling people this. Sure. Yeah, so I, I think it, it becomes... I hate to use the word lazy, but I'm not sure that there's another one out there. Yeah, that was going to be my question, like the why on why we're not updating ourselves or yes. keeping ourselves informed. Lazy is it, and we try to shy away from that, but it's also true. We also have an issue where it's like, if in doubt, don't. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's a follow-up to that, which is, if in doubt, don't, then go back and find out why. Sure. You really need to go learn why it is that you are in doubt and what to do in the future. Mm-hmm. So... You know, my partner Brooks and I would just sit there in the media and we'd bounce what-ifs off of each other all the time. What if this happens? What if this happens? How, what's our course of action? If this, then that kind of scenarios. And we were constantly throwing case law at each other. We were constantly trying to keep each other updated on different cases around the state, different cases around the nation, things that would bind us in law enforcement to adhere to what the courts decided. And that, some people are like, well, that sounds like a lot of work. Well, here's the thing. A-plus a students do their homework. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's, that's important for us to do. That's a quote. And that is. That's a quote. Right. Yeah. A-plus yeah. students, a students do their homework at 3352. Yeah. Right. That's a good. But, no, I, I agree. I think that's what separates um, good officers or decent officers that do what they have to do versus officers that excel in what they do. Sure. Um, is understanding and keeping up to date. Because there's court cases that... Yes, I could do something yesterday, but I can't today. Right. Or I couldn't do something yesterday, and I can now. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the big, that's the important thing is understanding, and maybe you would agree or not agree, but is understanding when things change and when they do, what has changed. Exactly. Arizona right? versus Gantt. Was that's the one I'm thinking yeah, of, right? Exactly. And this just really rocked people in Arizona versus Gantt. Sure. But really, I, I was really happy with that. And then we had the other case that was pretty significant, uh, U.S. versus Rodriguez. Let's okay. Talk yep. about uh, you, not uh, how, how you're going to use the police canine. Sure. And we're, it was specifically marijuana at that point, right? Is that this the case was a I'm methamphetamine case? Okay. So it happened, did they did it hit on weed and there was meth in the car, or am I thinking of a different case? So this was what it came down to is a whisper stop from DEA. Okay. And this um, this officer up in Nebraska made a traffic stop, who also was a canine officer. Okay. And the courts just wanted to. All right, so we, prior to that, we had this thing that was called the de minimis detention. Like, it was so little amount of time that it had really no impact on detaining a person, so it was allowed to run the dog around the car. So, absent re- any reasonable articulable suspicion, you know, we couldn't detain somebody uh, for a canine. Does that make okay. sense? Yep. So, but what we, what we took out of that, even from prosecutors and, and a lot of cops, was... Oh, you can't hold people for canines. Yep. Yeah. Time okay. limit, baby. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. You can't hold people for canines. And you know, that's not that's not what that case decided. It okay. said, hey, you have to have reasonable articulable suspicion as to why you're gonna continue to detain somebody for the response of a canine. And I'm all for that, man. Why would you ever detain a United States citizen sure. without yeah. reasonable articulable yep. suspicion? So I thought it cleared it up very, very nicely. 
and people just didn't research the case law. They maybe read a snippet of it. You know, I'm guilty of that too, where you just read the headline. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, or, or the findings at the bottom. You don't get yeah, into like yeah, the deep. Just yeah. straight happened, to the bottom. Or the right. conclusion, yep. whatever it is. Give me the punchline. Yeah. Give me the Cliff Notes versions. I read through that entire case. I'm like, this is, this changes absolutely nothing for me. And so I. And maybe even supports what you're doing at, absolutely. at the time anyway, right? Okay. Yeah, because if I'm going to... In fact, it wasn't long after the Rodriguez case came out that I held somebody for 45 minutes waiting for a canine to respond. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the courts found that to be justified. Because I had all this reasonable so articulable suspicion. Man. Yeah, dude. That's, dude, I'm half yeah. chubber. Yeah. Let's go back yeah. and look at this. Let's, let's go from start to finish on an intervention stop. I'm sitting in the median and I've watched people for the last 22 years of my career travel up and down this interstate and at this location during the day or night or whatever, highway traffic numbers show that there's going to be 24,000 cars that pass me at this location in an eight hour period. So of those 24,000 cars, I'm looking at most of them and then I see the one person who has a complete different reaction to my presence than anybody else has amongst all those thousands of cars that have gone by. I pull out on that car, and I, although I haven't seen a violation yet, they, they have slowed down upon seeing the presence of a law enforcement officer. The only thing that's changed in their environment is my presence, and they start freaking out. So then I pull out behind them. I observe them make a traffic violation, and that's Wren versus the United States. Oh, yeah. I put them on the shoulder. I walk up to the car after noticing that they've taken a long time to stop. Maybe they're making phone calls, spraying air fresher, lighting up a cigarette. All these things that I need to document in my report because I'm creating this reasonable articulable suspicion pizza, the probable cause pizza, and I'm noting that in my report. And then I get up to them and I have the conversation with them. But you know, when I present this to a grand jury and I lay it out like this, that nothing else going on in this person besides the presence of law enforcement, they freak out upon seeing my uh, patrol car, they, uh, they take a long time to stop, they're spraying air fresher in the air, they're lighting up a cigarette, they're making phone calls, they're waking up their passenger. But when I'm explaining this to a grand jury, they're all leaning in like, what's he got in the car? Sure. And I haven't even yet talked to this yeah. person. And then we go in and we ask those five questions, and I sort them out real quickly like that. As for consent to search the car, boom, we're into the case. You know, we've got, we've got the, the loaded dope, we've got the contraband. And so I lay it out like that to, to the jurors all the time, and they really understand. You know, people who aren't yeah. even law enforcement are like, hell yeah, that's suspicious. You better do something, you know, because yeah. this person's going up and down our interstates trafficking drugs or engaged in some other type of criminal activity like cell phone trafficking, identification trafficking, you know, interdiction for protection of children, all these different kind of things that we need to be attentive for, and we need to be alert to that. Kind of went off on a tangent there, but. I'm just trying to build that reasonable articulable uh, suspicion that, that probable cause pizza. Sure. So that way, when I do have to call for a dog, I've got the justification that's going to support yeah. me for the next 45 minutes. And I think we do a poor job of articulating a lot of times. And especially if you have a supervisor that's not staying up on what they need to stay up on, they're not seeing that as an issue. Like we see that as an issue. Yeah. And so I've been in circumstances where I've had to put myself between the staff and a road guy that's out there making traffic stops and doing the right thing, but has been told by staff that that's not correct. And that's a very tough position to put a person into sure. because you really rely upon those staff members to to know their stuff. Sure, sure. And Especially if they're approving your stuff and reviewing things as they go up, right? Yeah, and then they have control of your promotions. They have control of you know your assignments. And how do you, how do you control their ego, which is very sure. difficult. 
Because if you upset them at that point, and you don't want to come across as a know-it-all, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's a very difficult spot to be in. So my question is, again, completely from a civilian standpoint, is that do we think maybe leadership not staying up on case law and being able to, to speak eloquently to that and support their guys in using that, do you think at a certain point that... Um, the system or you know the the leadership roles no longer reward or um incentivize staying up on that information oh. right um that's not what essentially got them to those positions therefore uh you know laziness might be a factor but they're going to contribute their efforts to whatever you know will continue to help them promote their career or, or advance their career and so i don't know if this is a topic for you know leadership 100%. if you will but is, if, if the system is no longer supporting them knowing case law and being able to speak to it and support their guys in it, then it's human nature to no longer spend time and energy doing sure. some of that thing that's not going to necessarily get them the reward that they seek, if you will. You're, you're spot on with that. Now, I feel like I'm dominating this conversation. No, that's why you're here, man. We want you here. Is the lazy metric in law enforcement for, for assessing people's performances is arrest. And, or ticket totals. Sure, tally marks. Absolutely tally marks. And that is such a lazy metric because I work with people. If there is, my family is a strand of motors on the side of the road, and I know that person's going to go change that guy's serpentine, my family's serpentine belt right there on the side of the highway. Right. I'm like, dude, that guy brings a value to my agency that I'm very thankful for. Sure. Okay. He's not going to go burn up the ticket books. He's not going to go do any of that stuff that, that uh, maybe gets him promoted, but he is an extremely valuable person on my agency. Um, we, we, we have, it's a lazy metric just to assume that somebody's a good cop because they make lots of arrests. Yeah. I mean, look at like uh, traffic centered uh, cops that go out there and make 2,000, 3,000 car stops in sure. a year. Yeah. yeah. Write all those tickets and then they haven't found one gun. Right. You, or their drug arrests yeah. are yeah. zero and their drunks are zero. Or you know, one, two. Contacts. Right. What are you doing? What are they doing? What right? are you doing? Well, I mean, that's a, not efficient. Yeah, just as like, the mail. again, yeah. from a completely outside perspective, like what gets rewarded gets repeated, yeah. right? So if these are, these, a lazy metric is easy. It's a tally mark that's easy to track and it's a, a, easy to uh, base rewards and merit off of, then that's what's going to get repeated and or that's what people will focus on if they want to grow their careers from a personal standpoint, right? So I think that from a systematic standpoint, that's that's a problem overall is, you know, if we are rewarding the wrong behaviors and or the wrong type of metrics, then that's what's going to get repeated in our systems. And yeah. knowing case law and knowing the inner workings and um, some of those... Actually being good at what you do. Yeah, yeah. some of those more detailed um, pieces of the puzzle aren't, aren't necessarily rewarded, therefore... They don't get repeated. So I don't know if that leads into the leadership question or that conversation about um, the role of leadership, but I think that that's important. It's just, it's obviously prevalent in your guys' industry. It's prevalent in other industries everywhere. Private industry too, yeah. Yeah, private industry is the same thing. You start to see people that goal is promotion and their goal is leadership, and that's not, it's not a problem to have that goal. But as you see them go up, you see that – they're going to repeat the behaviors that they have seen reward from or that they have been, you know, they've benefited from, if you sure. will. Yeah, and then they have a hard time breaking out of that. So yeah. you see a lieutenant, a captain who made their career doing those uh, high numbers and they they see a, a person out there doing work that's different than theirs. Sure. Then they see that as wrong. So they're like, 
man, you know, that wasn't my experience. That wasn't how I was rewarded on this agency. That's not what got me promoted. So I'm going to continue to support the people that do the work that I, how I did it. Right, right. And right. then you're, you end up becoming inbred really quick where you just don't have any diversity of thought. But don't you think that like now everybody has the, the like, like, the mindset, everybody has the same mindset at that point. So the yeah. guys that are, or gals that are outside of that kind of suffer from. Yeah. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Like, you know, so if mm-hmm. you have, hey, listen, we're promoting, you know, traffic stops or whatever it is. And then you get a leader that's made their career on traffic stops and that's all we focus on. Well, it's Maybe cyclical, it's right? So like this, this obviously worked out for you. Therefore, you now advance your career and now you are now doing the same thing that's going to work out for somebody else. So it's cycle. It's creating that same thought process and that same mindset of this is how and what is meaningful to the, the role and the position. And anybody who does something a little bit different or views the, the role or the job differently may or may not be somebody we want to promote, yeah. if you will. Yeah. So I, I suffered that a lot because I had a friend that was on our agency for just a brief period of time and he was not willing to write, write poor people tickets. And he was in a position around some leadership. They're like, you got to do that if you're going to be on this uh, this agency. Right. And for me, I'm, I had a different uh, leadership. And my leadership was like, you know, you can make your decisions. You know, somebody else is going to be break the law, breaking the law. Go write that person a ticket. And you see other people that go out and stack five tickets on sure. a poor person. What what are we doing? What, what will we accomplish at that point? Not a right. thing. We're just pissing them I off. Mean, you got your tally marks, right? So yeah. if that's what the system exactly. rewards, then that's the behavior that will be repeated. So I was criticized in my evaluations uh, coming up that I didn't have enough ticket totals. And so I tried to live that life for a little bit, and it was miserable. Mm-hmm. I, I, did, I couldn't sleep well at night because I didn't feel like I was doing the right thing. And I made a determination with the assistance of my wife. It's like, you go out there and do what makes you happy. You go out there and do the job that you remember what you thought a cop did sure. when you were 10 years old. That's the easy thing to do. It's like, hey, what do you think a cop did at 10 year, when you were 10 years old? Go do that job and you'll be fine. And so I, I, didn't, I didn't go out there and chase tickets. I went out there and chased uh, impact uh, to, to have an impact on, on society through either finding concealed criminal activity, finding drunk drivers things like that and it, it I was punished for it for a long time sure what was wild though is because I didn't have uh, a supervisor that that appreciated that kind of work I had a lieutenant that didn't, didn't appreciate that kind of work but we had this major at the time who did appreciate that kind of work and he would read the teletypes so he'd read the arrest reports and he'd send you messages mm. You're like hey man that was awesome how'd you get into this he'd call you and say how'd you get into this thing and pretty soon that started to trickle down and, and you know the major would be giving you an award or something like that and the staff would say well we need to support that sure and that's when we started to see a change in culture of people like wow that's what gets you rewarded let's see if we can do that yeah. i just wonder did they support it because they believed it or did they want to make major that, that's my yeah, question that's exactly. what i'm saying okay. that's, that's what i'm no. saying because yeah. so i'm thinking no, the same so question in, yeah. yeah intent yeah. i feel like you, anybody's intent you can't judge but like the fact that the major himself was so that somebody kind of above person, them has yeah. said this is good work yeah. and that now tone below is set them. at the top right yeah. so the fact that he yeah. was at the top setting the tone changed mm-hmm. the culture for everybody beneath them yeah. speed of the leader speed of the team sure yeah. sure yeah so i think that you know what gets Rewarded gets repeated. I think speed of the leader equals speed of the team. And 
people started recognizing that the leader was saying, hey, this is good work. So sure. that's the new metric. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think that when we look at leadership, and I get frustrated by it oh boy. all the time. Yeah. We're about to get on no, it. No, I would, again, on side it. note, I, we can write it down for later, but I would like to know how this major got to that position. Yeah. If he played, I don't want to say play the game. I know you hate that, but if he played the game I mean, if it's the, the same major enough, we had when we came on, he was a dog. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we're talking about the same dude. Uh, yeah. He, he kind of he came out of this area uh, a little bit. Initials GS? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think he was a dog. So he's okay. like, uh, you know, we're talking about that dude. He, he was a big dog. drunk hunter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he Huge was. drunk hunter but, dog. But the thing is, he knew what people need to be going to jail. He knew sure. where we need to spend yep. our time and efforts. Yep. And he was a drunk hunter, and he did outstanding work. And this is my thing, too, is like, we create really good drunk hunters. Yeah. But I think that I can take those drunk hunters and also make them really good just criminal interdiction officers because the same principles apply. Oh, man. So it, you it, are preaching. Because what you say, and I tell the kiddos, and I say kiddos, the, the new hires this, drunk hunting and criminal criminal interdiction is the same thing. Absolutely. It's just, it's just you're looking for different things. Yeah. It's, it's the same concept. Man, right. I love I mean, that. The answers are different, but the questions are the same. Sure. Yeah. It, it, the same principles apply because... When we go into doing field sobriety tests, those are the, the sorting out questions that we're talking about. Sure. You know, it's like, how do we, and, and do you need to Mirandize that person before you do field sobriety tests? Some some supervisors are out there telling guys that before you can ask any yeah. questions, you need to Mirandize Which them. is insane. Absolutely insane. And so I've had to cover this topic on, on multiple <laughs> occasions with individuals to try to say, no, you, you wouldn't do that on a DWI. Why would you do it mm-hmm. here in this instance where you think that there's drug trafficking sure. or some other instance going on? So, you know, you, you, back to the leadership point is like, I got frustrated with that a lot. And I didn't know, I would blame it on other people above me and everything like that. And at some point in time, it came down to me to say, and I heard it from this guy's incredibly great mentor for me, it was Andy Davis. And I'm sorry you guys didn't have the experience of working with that guy, but he was just so, man, just everything cop. Yeah. He just was. He was like, cow. He, yeah, he was the epitome of what I wanted to be. And anyway, he said, hey, leadership is, is, and other people have said it too, but leadership is action, it's not position. And so I really took that to heart to say, I'm going to lead from where I'm at, yeah. doing the things that I enjoy doing. And eventually, people are going to get on board with it. God, I love that, dude. And eventually it happened to some degree, but I still see that resistance. Yeah. You know? And... For me, looking at the leadership, it just almost feels like they've climbed to those ranks because that was a goal of theirs. It never was their goal to be like really good cops. Yeah. They just wanted to be really good cops to get promoted. Sure. And I think that we need to change it to we need to be really good cops to have an impact on our impact on our society in a positive way. And then if you're doing that well, then you should get promoted. And I don't see that necessarily happening. Now, I, I do feel... Um, excited about some current leadership that we have and i just hope that that pans out but for me i'm like i'm going to continue to try to be a leader from where i'm at but i I also want to make sure i say this when i talk about leadership i said i i think before you can be a good leader you got to be a good follower yeah so like in my instance uh, brooks mcginnis was the supervisor of my team and I made sure that I never did anything 
that made it seem like I wanted to be the leader. Sure. You know, I wanted to be a good follower to that guy because he had a great vision. He had really clear objectives, and we needed to pursue those things. And it made the made the mission easy to understand what success looks like. Yeah. So, and then when I say that, when we're talking about what success looks like, I think leadership oftentimes has a hard time defining success, specifically in law enforcement. We're not in a spot where our sales are up. That sure. tells us that's a good thing. Right. Um, so we can't operate like a business necessarily. And we also don't know the impact of all your good work making yeah. DWI arrests, but we should see that reflected somewhere in our traffic crash totals. We sure. should see it somewhere in our fatalities. But um, we need to be less lazy in what we make uh, determinations on our metrics of what a good officer is. I would love to see like a, a baseball card of cops. <laughs> like, all right, uh, here's the picture of so-and-so, flip it over and you see all their stats. Sure. Like, he's got an ERA of this. Or, or like for me, uh, one thing I teach is, you know, in, in Missouri, 25% of the cars we stop, we find contraband in when we search the cars. So that's like a 250 batting average. Sure. Right? So 250 batting average probably puts you into the Hall of Fame. Average. Oh, you're going. Yeah. 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 Right. But then what I've seen is like people who come through that criminal interdiction course, the criminal patrol course, they flip that stat where I'm seeing guys with 50% contraband hit rate, 75%. Brooks McGinnis, okay. Bo Ryan, these guys are knocking out 90% of the cars that they search result in contraband seizures. And it's not because they're lucky, it's because they're skilled. Mm -hmm. And so if we can replicate that with other people, we're not alienating all those people who don't need to be searched. Yeah. You know, it's just like the a selection process on a drunk. We're not out there doing field sobriety tests on sober people sure. this time. <laughs> you know, we're doing field sobriety tests on people that we have already selected sure. that are going to be drunk. Yeah. I got a big nod right, on that one. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. So, you know, I, I compare it to going up to a tree in the forest and saying, hey, I'm, I'm hunting, but I'm not sure what, and I'm just going to shoot my shotgun up in the tree and see what falls out. Right. So I think that um, I want to be more strategic, more uh, sniper-oriented on what I'm targeting and, and stay within some very specific principles. And we get confused in leadership, I think, about every, everything about police work is very complicated. You sure. want this guy to be a social worker. You want to be a psychologist. You want to be a medic. Yeah. You want them to be... We're like, tasked with so many things. Really are. Right. You know, you got to understand how every chemical affects the human body. You got to understand you know, how to fight somebody. And they don't give us the time to, to do that. Sure. I don't know if you saw my post on... Uh, the Super Bowl and police reform. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I reposted that. That was good. It was solid. Cool. So the idea on that, if, if you didn't see it, it's just like you're asking us to do all these tasks. Yeah. And it's an incredibly varied skill set. We got to make this more simple for people. And so I would like to see leadership focus on three things to make good cops. And just to make it simple. And I call them the three C's. And this is what I teach all the... Anybody that wants to listen, but it's going to be communication, case law, and control. And those three things, I think, cover every aspect of what we're looking to try to accomplish in law enforcement. And if we have supervisors, leadership that says, this is what I need you to achieve, I think we're going to put out good cops. And when I say communication, it means listening well, speaking well, sure, uh, you know, written and uh, orally, 
that you can communicate with people from a broad spectrum of, of backgrounds. Um, that also includes empathy, compassion. Sure. I think all those things are a part of our communication. And then when you talk about case law, it's like I need you to be able to apply case law, constitutional uh, laws. You know, understand what you can and can't do, and understand not just necessarily the the ins and outs of each case law, but I really want you to understand the principles of those case right. laws. Like Terry right. versus Ohio, we can get into the weeds on that, but really what it's talking about is reasonable articulable suspicion. Absolutely. Then we go into uh, uh, control. Control. People are going to think when I say that 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 means controlling people. Uh, the first thing is controlling yourself. Sure. Your your ego, your emotions, your your own discipline, the condition of your equipment, your ability to operate that commu- uh, that that equipment, and then eventually controlling as to like grappling because I'm I really think grappling is something that uh, it really needs to be in the repertoire of every cop uh, to. Uh, to be able to control somebody. I, I always say grappling is a physical continuation of de-escalation efforts. Okay. And the idea is that I'm not going to try to hurt that person, but I'm going to try to control them, get them in a position of safety to where I can negotiate a better outcome. God, I like that. And I'm just trying to PBT him. No, I'm, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, I like that. That's good. Because I think people think control... Uh, is a dominating negative thing. Yeah, and that's, right? I guess maybe, and my wife and I actually talked about this the other night. We're like, do I need to come up with a different word for that? Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be perceived by either the left or the right as being somebody who's trying to control, you know, the government's trying to come in and control, but it starts with the individual officer and their control of themselves sure. and, and their environment. So, like, I'm sure you're making traffic stops in an area that's safe for you and the suspect. You yeah. control that aspect of it yeah. as much as possible in case they take a long time to stop or they flee from you. But you're controlling that as, that environment as much as possible. You're controlling uh, their ability to do harm to you by walking up on the passenger side. You're, you're controlling the uh, conversation by having good communication skills. Yeah. And I think if we, if we can just make assessments based upon that, and if we can say, hey, these cops do these three things really well, or you need you're deficient in this area. I really need you to improve in that spot. Then we give them training directed towards that. But I just think that we we struggle with trying to identify what it is that makes a good cop. Sure. And it's not ticket totals, man. It's just it's not arrest totals. It's so many other factors. Do you think that um, transitions into what makes a good leader in mm-hmm. law enforcement? Because mm-hmm. I think that. It, you know, and not to get too deep into the weeds, but really looking at things and with specific agencies, not to mention any, but I think we promote oftentimes um, good test takers. And, and I'm, not yes. trying to get, I'm not trying to get into a promotional you know, type right. of thing, but you know, everything you're talking about is not measurable uh, via test. Mm-hmm. Right? And what, what, what I mean by that is rarely does a test talk about case law or updates. Right. Right. Usually it's it's uh, policy or things like that. Or individual laws. Sure. Like it's like um, ATV flag laws. Why do I need to know that in a commercial test? I can look that up later. And that's my point is even like policies, I think now in 2023, we have the ability to any policy I need to look up, I can look up in about 15 seconds. Right. I type in a key cert or a keyword. It hotkeys me to that section. I review it. So to kind of piggyback on what you're talking about is, yeah, we don't know how to really 
measure good cops, but do you think that kind of transitions into we don't know how to measure or know who's going to be a good leader based off of things that we use right now? Yeah, 100%. So so I, I define, here's the interesting, we're going to talk about the box, right? Yeah, and I, I want to get to the box. All right, I want to get to the box. All right, so you have a... You want that going or are you good? Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, don't worry about that okay. thing too. We're not going to put like videos yeah. and crap and stuff about, no, about no that out. So, um, all right. So you've got a box with you. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the box. It's, it's not a shoe box. It's like an index card box. Is that it? Right? Is okay. So I kind of have this method. So I carry this um, this wallet around. It has a three by five notepad in it. Okay. And I carry these pins that just go into my pocket. And this is my everyday carry to use that vernacular. And when I hear somebody say something, you know, that's you know, spot on or whatever, something sure. I want to remember, I'm writing it down. And then at the end of the month, I go through this notebook and I look for, you know, I write everything down in here from sh- shopping lists to kid events to, uh, you know, quotes that I think were really good or concepts that were really awesome. And then I, I go through that at the end of the month and I use one of these notebooks every month. And then I write them out onto index cards and I put them in this box. And I, and I categorize it by, you know, different types of topics. Which is, what? Yeah, that's I, Let me awesome. say this. This is badass. I because, love a good system. So I, I keep a journal. Yeah. Like, so I write things down. Mm-hmm. I listen to speeches. I, I write that down. But. This is next level. That's where it, I keep yeah. it, right? I keep it in my notebook. And you're, you're now transcribing that onto cards, which you now. By category, put it in this index card box. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what my That's intention sweet. is ever to use it for. Um, but, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking. Do you ever just go through it whenever, I like, do. needing a moment? Need to- well, that's funny you say yeah. that because it is, like, needing a moment. Talking about leadership here, it's like maybe I saw some bad leadership or maybe I, as a supervisor here for in my position now, uh, I need to maybe find some good leadership inspiration or, or clarity. And I'll go to my leadership tab and I'll see, you know, what is it that I have written down there that I, I feel like when I had heard it was important. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the things that I brought with me today is the definition of leadership. Oh, yeah. L- leadership is inspiration, confidence, and culture building. Um, you know, as a leadership vision, I tell people that, and it's just it's like something I said to my nephew who is, uh, he, was, he grew up in a very small town. He had a rough uh, upbringing with his mom and dad and he was uh, gay and being a kid in a small town sure gay mm-hmm. and uh, very tough but I just told him one day I said hey man you can be anything you want just not lazy and I thought that was a leadership vision that I wanted to yeah. tell people that that worked with me it was like you can be anything you want in this career just don't be lazy um, so I also talked about leadership uh, I heard this quote, success of a skipper is to see the, the ship through the eyes of the crew. And when I see that within my own agency, sometimes I think they really miss what it looks like to see our agency through the eyes of the crew. So, for example, our reporting systems, uh, sure. our, all the different things that they're just like in all these meetings, just one more thing, have your guys do, just one more thing. Right. And by the end of that meeting, it's a dozen things that you've asked for just one more thing and you've really made it difficult then for for them to get out there and do the thing that we hired them to do sure. just go out there and fight crime right mm-hmm. and 
So what do you think the remedy is for that? I I think we need to go back to simplifying things. Mm -hmm. We need to look, I'm a big systems person, so like the Pareto's principle. Mm. Uh, Oh, you're gonna get her, you're gonna get the Smee. You're gonna get the Smee working. Yes. So we need to focus on the things that bring us 80% of our success. And I think it applies within law enforcement too. We see 20% of our people result in 80% of our success. We see 20% of our people that also result in 80% of our failures. And we need to address all those people. So I think if uh, leadership viewed these things through the eye of the crew, you know, I think we'd be doing a lot better. Um, we lose that perspective, I think, as we climb up in the ranks. And I think it's also important for leaders to say, I can go to you and say, how do you see this event? How do you see this type of situation? And I need to have good counsel around me. And that's to think that a leader has all the answers is wrong. I think you really just need to be able to say, you know, take a consensus and see what the result is in as a leader. That humility, yeah. 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 Willing to, to say you don't I know, know it all. all. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Know. And then, yeah. then at some point in time, the, the leadership has to say this is the direction we're going. So, uh, the other thing regarding leadership is the reasons why people leave, and we kind of talked about this in some other circumstances offline, but. Number one, not treated with respect. Sure. Number two, prevented from making an impact. Because everybody, no matter what their job is, they want to make an impact. I really believe that that's the case. It's, it's, it's the thing that keeps so many people going. It's the gas in their tank. Number three, not being listened to. And I think it's incredibly important for a leader to be able to hear somebody have different opinions than him, than them. And for that to, uh, that leader to have the, the mindset of, I'm not so rigid in my thinking that I can't accept somebody else's input. Yeah, and I think that uh, to that note, it is incredibly rare, right? So as the leader, if you don't set that tone that it's okay to have a different point of view than I, then then you will get yes men around you that just... Yeah, General Patton said, if everybody's thinking alike, then somebody's not thinking. As the leader, you have to create that tone that it's okay to disagree with me. It's okay to to, to tell me what you think. Otherwise, you'll just get people that disagree everything you say, and you're not getting true and honest opinions. Sure. Um, That could be swallowing a lot of pride. Yeah, Yeah, and that's that's the humility. That's that pride to, to let people know it's okay to disagree with you. Because I think just from what I know of your agency is that sometimes it's not okay to disagree with senior uh, ranking leaders. I would say it's not only not okay, you often, there's consequences. Mm -hmm. I think for, you know, I think you, what you said was good counsel, I think Mm -hmm. is exactly Mm -hmm. what you said. So, you know, I think that would be surrounding yourself with people who are not like-minded. Yes. Right. And I think in a lot of agencies and our own, right, that goes unnamed, but that you're, again, you suffer consequences or there are, there are punishments for, Giving a different point of view. I'm not saying it's walking in and saying, hey, listen, what you're doing is wrong. Sure. Just saying, hey, listen, but let's think about this. This is, this is also an option that goes against what that person position, that person that's in power, I'm not going to call him a leader, but that person that's in a powerful position disagrees with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's my concern is that we now punish people for bringing a different point of view when we should be encouraging that. And so in, within our agency, there are people, and I'm thinking of one particular that's in this position now, who does go out and seek input from other people. And I find that incredibly, man, inspirational. Sure. And you know, when you're talking about swallowing pride, it's, uh, it's like eating kale. 
It's, it's not that good, <laughs> but it, it's tough to swallow. But it does really good for your body. Sure. And so it helps the digestive. Tract. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's you regret it again, yeah. but it's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to make a good taper for the. For the, <laughs> uh, the, the final point on why why people leave uh, number four is like not being rewarded. We referred to that earlier. What, what, what gets rewarded gets repeated, <sighs> and if you can just take the time to reward somebody, I, it doesn't take much. It, it's amazing what we ask cops to do, and they do it, and then we don't pat them on the mm-hmm. back for it. And some people are like. Suck it up. You need, you're not in this job to get rewarded. Sure, I get that, but it is nice to hear. Well, it's human. It's not even a job thing. You want to know that your efforts are appreciated, and so I think that's not even a law enforcement thing. I think that's just a people thing. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about this real quick. So you and I have really never talked deep on this conversation, right? Sure. I think we, in passing, we've mentioned some stuff. I'm but, just commenting on your guns. But yeah, yeah, but it's also good subjects. Yeah. So so real quick, I and I have three things, and again that that I highlighted real quick. So there's a presentation that I've done one time that we now have booked, I don't know, 10, yeah. 12 times. That's called The Job Isn't Dead. So, I love that. I love that. So, so you're talking about there. morale, retention, etc. So the things that you mentioned was you put, people want to have an impact, right? So in this presentation, we talk about purpose, which is uh, why am I doing what I'm doing, which yeah. is the impact part of it, which I find so funny that you say that, and that's what we talk about. And you say... Um, not being heard, I think is what you kind of said. Mm-hmm. And I think communication is, is what we talk about, communication. And then the last thing is you put rewarded, and then we talk about recognized. And again, not ever talking about this, I find it so interesting that what you mention is what... And my information is not mine, by the way, so I'm not pitching. Oh, oh, listen to me, I'm a genius, right? It's not what I'm saying. I get this from several books, several studies... Simon Sinek being a big one. I know yeah, you posted a few him. of his stuff. He's awesome. Jocko Willink, who I'm not a big, I'm not a big. I don't like that he sleep shames me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fighter or, you know, or a big jujitsu guy, but I think that he has him and Leif Bavin have some really good books, Dichotomy of Leadership, etc. Um, there's some other good books that I've read on this, <clears throat> but the common theme is the things that you said, because again, I've never heard what you've, have written on your cards here, but the things that they've said is exactly what you've said. And I'm sitting here smiling about it because I'm going, this has to be the key to success if everybody's saying the same thing. Agree. This is not new. We're, we're not inventing this. We've just forgotten it. And we have to be reminded of that. And so that's why I think this box is important for me. Just as you said, I, I will go back and look at these and just review what I thought was important. Sure. And hoping that it's going to become the fiber of my person. Because if if I have a recipe for success, if I have um, some type of formula that I can do over and over and over that is going to develop success, I, I think they exist within what we've learned from other people in the past, all the way from Marcus Aurelius to Jocko Willink to uh, Simon Sinek to all these people that have shown success and yeah. then you also look at the people that were under the leadership of those types of personalities they enjoyed their job they, sure. they, they were they were really effective at what they did and if we're going to 
you know, we're talking about police reform and how confusing that whole concept is right now and what we need to be doing. Um, we've got to have some bold leadership at this point in time right. in law enforcement right. to say, you know, we're going to swallow some pride. We're going to we're going to do some things differently, and we're going to take these approaches to see us right this ship. Sure. And yeah. I'm not saying write it as to put it back to where it was, because I don't think that's a good thing. Right. I think we need to write it to the position, you know, it's just like market corrections in the stock market. Absolutely. Here we are. We, we've had this, these incidents happen since 2014 with Ferguson on up to now with uh, Tyree Nichols. We have to do better. And I think if we're not admitting that, we've messed it up. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, I've got seven years left in my career. Sure. And That's awesome, by the way. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, but I, I'm looking at it as like the clock is ticking. Yeah. I've got seven years to make an impact. And number one, jealous. You've only got seven years. First of all, let me say, I love my job. So I, I do hear too. these guys say, oh, I'm retiring in 10 days or whatever, or three years, nine days, and 24 hours, whatever it is. I don't want to retire. I love what I do. And I think you do too, clearly. I do. Um, so it's inter interesting you say that, but a lot of guys can, and cops, couple can say exactly when they retire. But so what you've said, and I think what we've all ag uh, agreed with is, so, so the big thing in, in, in changing the direction of the ship is a lot of times leadership will say, well, we don't have the budget, mm -hmm. right? Or we don't have the manpower to do the things that you've just talked about. And the things that you've talked about and the things we've discussed so far cost nothing and require no additional manpower none right these are things that we can do with what we have right now and if we can do these things i think we can solve the morale problem the retention problem which once we plug those holes then probably solves the recruiting problem mm -hmm. right um, but we focus on replacing people versus why are people leaving exactly right? man because you know, we're, we say this in our agency, but I don't know that we hold true to it all the time because we say we are our own best recruiters. So everybody that's working for in law enforcement, they should be the best recruiters for getting people in. Sure. Um, it's going to be really important for those people to be happy about their job so they can speak to why they enjoy their job. And when they're feeling like they're not supported, when they're feeling like they're not rewarded, when they feel like they don't have an um, inspirational mission to achieve they're not going to have good things to say about the job. I think we have a really cool job. Awesome. I think we have an incredibly important job and I'm honored to do it despite all the crap that's happened since 2014. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about you yeah. coming on when Ferguson started. Yeah. That's a tough time to start. Um, this is dicey. That's probably why his career is trash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was dicey. You know, really think about it. That's yeah. why he's oh, yeah. really sucked his entire career. Yeah. <laughs> It's but it, it, it's it's funny, you know. It's like I, when I go and speak to uh, new hires, and I'll ask them, "I'm like, why are you guys here?" Because I feel like I'm gonna get one of two responses. It's either for bad reasons or good reasons. Yeah. And it's just like, how do I continue to get those people that are here for the good reasons to can you to continue to come in the door? Sure. And when I was a, rec a recruit in the academy. There were some people that came in as instructors that I said, that's the guy I want to model my career after. Sure. And I think it's really important that we make sure we bring those people in so those those recruits are saying, that's 
That's the gold standard. Because that's the first person they see is the instructors. Yes. The instructional staff. Right. Right. Or they have a, a real relationship with and they, they can, yeah, they may have seen you on a traffic stop or trauma on a traffic stop or whatever. But I think the instructional staff are the ones they spend time with and develop, um, you know, kind of, uh, or, or not develop, but what they want to be like, yes. right? a role model, if you will. Yeah. So right. this is may derail us or whatever. Is there is is there a mentor process? There or is. is. It, okay. And what it's, what it's are a, the opportunities for that? It's a formal mentoring process where you're a mentor, right? Yeah, several. Yeah. Speak to that recruiter. because. You what? I'm a part-time recruiter. Is it, yeah. <laughs> that's so, also why we have a problem. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> hey, this guy's recruiting and a mentor? So, okay, Let's so get out of here. We've solved it. Is mentorship different than FTO in terms of your SS structure? Everything I think that's most important yeah. for people that okay. are, are mentors and mm-hmm. FTOs is the informal aspects of it. And you spoke to it offline is those informal leaders. And I think people have a... A really good ability to recognize you know game recognizes game or people at least recognize what it is that they want to try to accomplish and so they gravitate towards those people mm-hmm. and I, I think that people say it all the time I think it's kind of silly but it's like you know you have all these alphas in this profession yeah and I don't really consider myself an alpha at all um, man <laughs> but it because I, I, I don't I don't get offended easily uh, I don't, I don't, um, if, if you say something that you disagree with me with, I, I don't, I don't get upset by I think that. it's healthy to disagree. Right? Yeah, I really do. I think that there's a lot of benefit to that. It's again, it's like eating kale. It kind of sucks sure. to hear and kind of sucks to eat, but it's, uh, it's good for you. Um, those, those informal, uh, mentors, I think are more impactful than any process that we can put in place because essentially it looks like this, you know, you've got your mentor. Are you a mentor right now? No, no, not right now. Thank God. <laughs> um, have you had any successful completions on the mentor problem? No, the, the, the last person I mentored... Yeah, I'm going to back him up. Did not... It was a hire that did not need to happen. It's, it's oh, what I'm thinking five, of. I mean, it was like 5'2", 265. It was bad. Was not going to make it... I mean, so, I yeah. guess my question it then, was, I guess from really an organization standpoint, is like, what is the criteria for mentors? Because I've worked at places where it's like... really low, because Trump... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah okay. I mean, so, I worked at places where it's like, oh, do you want to be a mentor? You get 62 cents more an hour or whatever. You but you don't, you don't learn no, anything about no, adult get, learning get, styles no. or motivation or how to, you know, to, to drive that why behind mm-hmm. why people are doing stuff. You're just like, you just get paid more. Yeah. Well, we don't even get you don't paid even more. Get that. Oh, generally, you just did out the goodness out of your heart. Yeah, as long as you don't get in trouble okay. in the last, like, what is it, 18 months or something, <laughs> yeah. you can so do So you it. must be the guy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, I mean, I haven't... Yeah, he's the only guy that had been in trouble in 18 months. You know, so they haven't caught me embezzling. If somebody's not getting in trouble for something, you know. That's it. Um and that's that's our criteria. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I'm not saying that uh, you need to break eggs to make an omelet kind of approach right. to law enforcement, but um, you know I think that there there is this part of somebody being bold enough to you know in your spot enjoy what it is that you do and be able to explain why it is that you enjoy the things that you do. That there are going to be times that you're going to go out there and try to get experiences of the job where you, you failed. Sure. You know? And it's such a difficult process because society may not accept that failure, but I look at it as a, an absolute teaching opportunity. Yeah. I have learned so much more from my failures than I ever have my successes. And 
what was interesting is I, I listened to the Andrew Huberman podcast too, which um, I think it's just ranked just slightly above this podcast. Just slightly. Just, We're nipping. Yeah, and you're, you're market share is like. In fact, by the time this airs, probably surpass them. Yeah. For now. So Huberman, look out. The uh, <laughs> coming for you. But he, he referred to the neurochemistry that occurs when somebody fails. Yeah. It's, it's critical for learning. And, you know, like in the academy, we'll, we'll apply stress. And we do that stress for an, an effort to, one, see if they can accomplish this under stress, but also to uh, see if they have failures under stress, which does create, according to Huberman, this very fertile neurochemical process within the brain that makes learning so much more important. And so we have to have to have failures. Mm-hmm. In law enforcement, it's very difficult to have those failures and let it be. Well, yeah. and it's hard because Acceptable. I don't think that you guys, again, from an external standpoint, I don't think you guys operate within a system where it's okay to fail. Right. No, it's it, criticized. Right? Yeah. Big time. Um, whether it's publicly or internally, it's, it's not an okay area to be like, I was human, I failed, this is what I'm going to do going forward. That is not... A space in which you, I, I don't think you guys hold. You don't have some of those safeguards built. Yeah, for in, us to will. fail, it's it's could be like detrimental. Number one to, to your career, oh, God, right? Yeah. Criminally charged, mm-hmm. uh, fired, yeah. um, whatever it is, and, and it could also change the entire landscape of law enforcement nationwide, right? Sure. I mean, case law, court, you know, because even with like from my background even from a healthcare standpoint you do have certain peer review boards and certain like vets that go through that you have to fail pretty hard to to get your licensure or anything like that taken away um and so i think that that's just maybe a, a system that doesn't exist for you all it's not the same for sure but it comes back to our leadership point is we have high demands of of our of our officers Failure is going to happen. Sure. If we can see failure as a as a beneficial tool for learning, and this is where I feel like leaders fail. It's just like, hey, I I, I tried to go, I tried to do this on a traffic stop, you know, because I believe this person was a, a human trafficker, and whatever you you made a mistake along the way. I see our agency come down, or I see other agencies come down really hard on that person for their failure instead of using that as a great opportunity right. to learn more. Right. Because wouldn't you agree? That's a, Wouldn't you agree that's a little bit of the gray area, right? Like yeah. they did fail, but their intent was good, right? Or, or, what, they, they, or what did we do wrong, yeah. and how can we do it differently next time yeah. well, versus a, let's punish this person? It's a, it's a leadership thing that I think is uh, really important to talk about. It's like, you know, we got to define leadership pretty well, but it's, it's leadership or management. You have this opportunity right here to say, is this management or is this leadership? But you have a person that failed. How you respond to that as a person of authority determines whether or not you're a leader or a manager. Yeah. Because I think the leader is going to take that person under their wing and say, let's do better the next time. We're going to learn from this. Right. Whereas the manager is going to say, I'm going to punish you for what it is that you did wrong. The outcome, yeah. And what that ends up breeding, because what gets rewarded gets repeated. Sure. Um, you have a fuck up. Yeah. yeah. You messed up. And then you're never going to do that again. Right. So you're never going to try to to go pursue the criminal element because this went wrong for you. I got so, punished last time. Yeah, so exactly. Why would I do it so now? what we end up uh, breeding there within all of law enforcement is if I don't do anything, I won't get in trouble for anything. And is that what we really want right. in law enforcement? Right. And we don't. We don't want that in law enforcement. But that's what's since 2014. That's what we've created. Yeah. We've created the people that say. Uh, 
I'm not going to do that because if it's perceived to be incorrect or wrong or whatever, uh, I'm going to get in trouble for it. So I'm better off doing nothing. Right. In fact, there's case law that talks about law enforcement not having the duty to intervene. Sure. And that's just so mind-boggling to me to think that, you know, we don't have this duty to do those things. We don't have to, right? Yeah, we, can we just don't sit have back. to. Yeah. yeah, we can sit back it's, and let it happen. It's so, nuts. like, we look at Uvalde and what oh, happened there. Man, I was just thinking the same thing. I'm okay. like, where are they going to go? Because they can't really punish these cops because there's not this duty to act. They didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Right, by, by, by standing case law. And that's where I'm thinking, I'm looking at this table right here and say, this is where those decisions are made. Right on whether or not we're going to do that differently moving sure. forward. I mean, maybe we don't have to, but don't we have a moral and ethical obligation in the position that we hold to do that? Does that, does that kind of make sense? You know, Yes, like, it does. Um, though no one's holding our feet to the fire, that's why we're here. Yeah. From a just standpoint of law versus ethics, is this where we have some people that are just here to enforce law versus some people that are you know, ethically bound by a higher purpose, if you will. That's exactly what we're looking for in law enforcement. It's tough to come by is the people that are here for a higher purpose. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not for grandstanding or, or or anything else. It's it's these people that are intrinsically motivated to do better for other people. And man, those people are, are pretty rare in our society, which is sad to say. But we have a high concentration of them in law enforcement. And how we continue to get those people in, I don't have the answer for that. Maybe sure. great Great mentors like trauma here. <laughs> Part-time recruiters. Well, from a civilian standpoint, or a, a reason why to do to the job, like there, call it what it is. There are not a lot of cards stacked in your favor, right? So, right. You almost have to be intrinsically motiva- motivated to do some of these type of roles because it's not the pay. Let's. Sure. Let's say that. I mean, I think we speak for yourself. I'm yeah. making money handling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm rolling, rolling in, in it. Cash. Yeah. So it's not the pay. It's obviously not. Trump know, had a what societal. African lobster last night, something yeah. like that. Yeah, the old lady had a uh, <laughs> South African lobster. Okay, so she had a South African lobster with steak. Steak. And you had what? Uh, water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It yeah. was good. So it I was, think that it was worth it. Yeah. So again, I mean, it's not the money. It's not no. the money. It's not the uh, from a overall society, you know, feeling of. Yeah, reward and external validation. It's because you, you want to. It's because you want to, right? And that's, again, law enforcement is one of those jobs. If you don't love it, it could be really bad for yeah. you. Or if you're not intrinsically motivated, it you, could go really bad for you. Sure. You have to love this job. Yeah, I think that's, for me, part of the appeal to it, too. I'm, I'm married to a teacher who's cut from the same cloth that I want to see cops cut from that are in it for the right reason. We're not going to be rich. Sure. We've accepted that. Right. Um, but we are rich in so many other ways that that is really motivating to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Beyond money. Right. Oh, different man. Ways. Right. Who, and that's the thing. It's like I've got a really good friend of mine who makes a lot of money. And, you know, he always asks me about my job. And what's funny is I've got this, this guy that's uh, you know, very, very doing very well. And he always asks about what I got into the, today. You know, what, what, what was it yeah. that I did? and. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I just recognize that we have a tough job to do to convince people to do it with us. is going to be very hard to do. 
But I think that we have some good examples right here sitting at this table of people that you could look at and say, I want to be a person like that sure, and have this type of impact in society. And that's where it comes back to the leadership to say, I want to provide a clear vision on what it is that we do to be able to achieve these objectives of keeping our society safe. And we, we, we have these tools, but we also have this case law that supports us. And we were looking for these specific applicants that communicate well, they, they understand case law, they understand how to control not only themselves, but other people and, and, and apply that in very dynamic and rapidly unfolding scenarios that, that uh, achieves the benefit for the entire society. It's extremely rewarding. It, it isn't going to show up in my paycheck ever. Right. But I, I sleep well at night, you know, because of what I feel like I, I bring to society. Love it, man. I mean, she, yeah, I can't even get can't get into some of it, um, but man, this makes me feel super good. All right, I've got to take the reins just for. A I second. do have one question. Yeah, so so kind of wrapping this up. Yeah, can I real quick? Yeah. So number yeah. one, wrapping it up. First off, dude, you're coming back. Oh, cool. Or we we will come to you, right? Yeah. I've loved this leadership side of things. You've got um, to. Yeah. I want to get deeper into the box. What's in the box? Yeah. Uh, I want to get deeper into some of the things I've written down here. Plus your your uh, bike crash. No, <laughs> we didn't. Even, we didn't by the way, we got the that. we got the checkbox number one, and we're an hour or ninety minutes into this. Yeah, thing, right. That's funny. So I've got a lot more things I want to talk to you about. Um, but first off, I want to congratulate. Or next, not first off, I want to congratulate Trom for getting promoted. Congrats, hey. man. Yeah, I got every I got everybody fooled. Yes, which um, that's um, awesome. Again, yep. I'm biased because yep. he's a homie of mine, but. When I see people like this getting promoted to a position of leadership, it makes me feel better about the direction that we're headed. And maybe there is a shift. I say this too. And I will send those people, because in our agency, they send out an email every time somebody's promoted. And when I see somebody who deserves that promotion and is is the person that I see that can help us right the ship, I send them an email and say, man, we're doing the right thing right here. Right. We're one step closer yes. right, to doing this. So... Because you know they're not going to have a good, like you know it's not going to be easy for them. No, no, <laughs> it's I mean it's an uphill battle, right? Yeah. And in fact, for both of you, they're guys. like the salmon mm-hmm. that have made it to that next level yeah. of the river somehow, swimming upstream. Somehow you got past the bear and you're still swimming, <laughs> yeah. right? And so anyway, so congrats to Trom for getting that promotion. I'm super excited. Yeah. Another one, another friend of mine, she just got promoted. Couldn't be more excited. Um, I, again, hopefully we're headed in the right direction. So congrats. But you also have a question. Yes. So, obviously, he's got a whole. Yeah. He's got a whole like. Okay, number one, there's also something drawn on this. We'll get. We'll get. We'll get that. Okay. So, okay. So, obviously, we know that we are in the presence of a master. That's crazy. So well, I agree. So I mean, That's seriously. No, so let's a, say let's say that I hook up with the Sonola Cartel. Okay. You're I secure. I can tell this question is. I secured keys of cocaine. Okay. Could an average cop get by you? Like with everything I know, <laughs> could I successfully? I he, feel like this. He is wrote what, this question down an hour ago. Oh, we're dude, waiting for yeah, no, Could I get like? This, this let's is a mentor. Say, let's say I get fifteen. <laughs> in theory, I would not do this, but I I, I purchased fifteen keys of coke. I love that. Could question. I get them from? I mean, from you know the west coast to the east coast, and then successfully get the money back? Okay. Yeah. yeah it's a two-way trip, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, so this, this is what. <laughs> 
is going for me on that. Is... Or could I subcontract this out to you? And let's say that I get, I will oh take sixty percent, kick you forty. Can you successfully get it from the West Coast to the East Coast? In theory, all legitimate questions. Or, or, or from every Malaya, listener thinking the same. From the thing. South up to the North, you know, Texas. I love this. You know, Ohio. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I, I would subcontract His face that right now is baffled by your question. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually... Because he's talking about, like, talking, you know, him yeah. and his supervisor, all this case law. I think he's I sit you. there and I think... Yeah, Trump wrote this down an hour ago and yeah. stopped. How do I get by him? Yeah. I bet I could. I bet I, I could make this guy. Remember, he's staring you down <laughs> yeah, outside. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's outside of his car, <laughs> arms crossed <laughs> on the interstate, I, looking at yeah, you. Yeah, so... What's what's going in our favor there for law enforcement? Yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> and, and your, your wife's back there. Yeah, yeah. 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 More lobster. Yeah. Baby. By the way, Trump's yeah. wife has entered the scene and just sitting back, just quietly watching she him. She's an unknowing mule. Yeah. She's, un- yeah. she's an unwitting. She's trying to not listen to what he's saying. That lobster last night was full of pellets of cocaine. I'm just waiting for you to pass it. So, so to your question. I really think that... Uh, As an expert, the, I assume you could. The, well, I'm just thinking the behavior is going to reveal itself. So so the typically hard, the people that work harder to conceal themselves make it easier to reveal themselves. And especially when you're talking about law enforcement officers, I typically see that they're very... We're the worst? Uh, well, they're morally... Uh, they're morally recognize that they, when they're doing wrong. Sure. And so I think that's going to just really work against you. Ditch your morals, well, he, so... He, to so the point. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I could. Hey, you need to run yeah. right now. Well, I got to I hit old Guzman cannot transport fentanyl. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, bud. I owe you 15000 I shoved this bag. in my prison yes. pocket for a reason. <laughs> Screwed that up. I uh, uh, got a lot of military guys across my career. And no. and it was very interesting because they tried to throw out that military brother. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, uh-huh. and you hope that they're all cut from the similar cloth than us. But... Um, you know, I think a big motivating factor for anybody is is greed and money, uh-huh. and uh, everybody falls victim to it. I think, and so I've seen those guys uh, try to traffic drugs and unsuccessfully, and um, they try to throw out their good guy status of being a military member, and they're just losing their shit the whole mm-hmm. time on the car stop. Yeah, I love that. Hey, you're getting caught. By the way, oh yeah, oh. dude. I What's up? Be, this one guy that had. Like, I couldn't even make it ten no. miles from the border. If he doesn't get gone. you, I'm PBT. Yeah, yeah, I'm PBT yeah. at the fifty-seven. I, I, oh, I, I, get, I, I get. stopped a guy that was wearing his BDUs and everything, man, and he drove by me wearing his cap and everything, and so I, I, I stopped him and because uh, he looked like he was shitting a boulder when he went by me, <laughs> and uh, man, he just he just caved. Couldn't he just get could, it. Yeah. Couldn't hang the questions. Nope. And it was the stuff that anybody else would answer with no problem. This guy looked like I was putting a gun to his head. It was it was miserable for him. But I think the moral turpitude of those people just don't allow them to do this successfully. Now, you being who you are, you have no moral turpitude. So oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I w- morally, you yeah, there's no ethics. You have I, nothing. I feel like I could. You're like I if I could if I could like embody the worst type of human being, I would put it in you. I feel I feel like I could transport yeah. keys of cocaine. Yeah, yeah, but. I'd stick That's to the a risk. Also, you've That's got somebody risk. here. That's a yeah. risk. Yeah. Standing outside the car, and I would roll my U-Haul full of cocaine. I'm swerving at him. After if he's staring at me, yeah. I'm like swerving. I'm going to commit a violation right in front of him. Yeah. I think it's important if you guys are wanting to make money. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to just do <laughs> o- approved overtime. Yeah. Well, or at least stick <laughs> to the... Not-
Rolls through all the truck stops. Glorious. Glorious. Okay. Um, all right. As usual, no. per every podcast, when we get to the end, we got to start a lot of editing, which <laughs> me does the editing. So yep. thank God mm-hmm. I have zero part in this. Okay. So I think we're down to the dude. You're coming back. I'd love to, man. Especially when you have uh, AG on here. Yeah. Uh, Do I'd we like, bring both of those guys on? I, I, I don't. I would yeah. love to. That would be a chaos. Yeah, that would be. have to. It's, a mini series. I'm, I'm going to start yes. it and I'm walking off because yeah. those two are. Yeah. Because what, what's so fun, fascinating about AG is like, he's an animal. He's a caveman. He, he, dude, he's just <laughs> absolutely legit in every every arena, <laughs> in and, a good and, way. and he's just extremely humble. Mm-hmm. But I watched True Grit with him, the new one. Oh my god. And. I didn't think that was a comedy until I watched it with him. Yeah. And I was just, dude, it was great. He's a caveman, man. He's <sighs> something else. He's got the straightest chin, too, guys. If anybody's <laughs> never seen this yes. dude. The jawline of this guy. I, I use his chin to draw <laughs> templates for accident reports. <laughs> like, I need your chin to draw a straight line. Put it's, it down here, AG. Would you agree? He is a family guy. You a family guy fan? Yeah, absolutely. He is Quagmire's chin in real life. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. So maybe we, maybe we schedule that because he's agreed to be on it. Yeah, you hold him to it. Yeah, and I'm supposed to call him while you're on here, but I don't want to do that to you. So I say we we get you two together and and, and get on that. He's one of my favorites. I, I watched that guy on a SWAT call one time get choked out by a guy with samurai swords, and uh, <laughs> as, samurai swords. as one would. <laughs> it was a great story. <laughs> uh, and then he got. He got cut in that whole melee also, and then we had all blood contamination. It was just a big mess. And that was the first call of the night. Then we had another one right after Of that. course, yeah. So it was chaos all that night. But he was he's a jam-up person. If that if somebody that you could replicate multiple times over yes. to make cops, yep. I'd do that guy. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I need to rephrase that. Yeah, you shouldn't yeah, say yeah, I would do that I don't know. I, I, I'm going to stick to my statement. I would do that it's guy. It's 2023. You can do that guy if you I want. would do that guy, and I would I would replicate him so I could do him multiple times. <laughs> But he, he's married it. to a saint of a wife as well. He has, has amazing kids. Um, he's so articulate. He's so principled. Yeah. And he's not so rigid in thought that he can't uh, hear other people's opinions and, yeah. and come up with a solution. That's a guy right there that if I if I could uh, say, let's let's just throw him to the top. Let's do it right now. Yes. And I'd be happy to salute him for the rest of my Absolutely. career. Absolutely. And I'm going I'm to piggyback on that. I've worked with him for five years. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I cannot say there's a, there's very many people I would agree with what you just said. Yeah. And, you know, that guy is, is, is something else. And, and yeah, I'm going to work with him. I think we get both at the same time. That is, that'd be awesome. Yeah, this could be chaotic. A lot of editing. Mm-hmm. A lot of editing, yeah. probably. But oh. mainly just over conspiracy theories. Yeah. We, yeah. He just wouldn't want people yeah. to know about it. Yeah. All right. So we are at, oh, my God, we're at an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> we try to target 50. All right, Smee, last words? No, it was great. It was a good episode. We only talked about the. I mean, scratch the surface. Yeah, just yeah. Just Dude, I've got a whole list surface, of stuff yeah. to talk good, to you about. Good conversation. Yeah, good. love it. Mm-hmm. That's Trump, my battle Guest host. Anything? I'm still convinced that I could mule. Yeah, you're getting across. I'm yeah. Still, I'm, as long as I don't cross this guy. Yeah. As long as he's like busy. As long as I avoid I, this state. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I feel like I'll like Iowa, yeah. and they won't catch me <laughs> one bit. I, I'm just gonna say. To that point, <laughs> if I think the only way that you can get across me on this is if you keister it, so <laughs> but like in so, like a, so a the, big so, girthy, yeah. yeah it's, it's, so the long stop like, is me just driving down the road. I, that's what I'm saying. It's like 
You're probably like a, an Algene bottle right up into the keys there and into, so into, the, into the prison pocket. Up your yeah. Uh, and no. and then at that point in time, bro, um, I've won the war on drugs. It's already, <laughs> it's already in my butt. <laughs> yeah. God. All right. All right. Greg, I have no last words no, other than I'm going to sign out. Greg, any last words, brother? Uh, no, I, I just think that uh, I, the takeaway for this is, you know, we try to focus on leadership, but leadership is is action and not position. I think that each one of us needs to understand that we have a role in that and that we, we can change things from where we're at. And uh, I'm not high in our agency at all, but um, I, I still firmly believe that we have the ability to um, – direct the way our agency goes by the actions that we do on every freaking contact. And that's, that's where we need to understand that our leadership is the most important. And it's, it's not whoever's wearing the, the chief's badge or the colonel's badge or anything like that. It's, it's, it's us out there doing the work. And I think actually our, our you know, in my agency, uh, our, our number one guy would, would agree with that. Um, that's where it matters. And so I just encourage everybody to continue to do that. Awesome. I got nothing to say. You, got, you don't have any final thoughts? No, I got no final thoughts. Normally, I'm full of final thoughts, yeah. other than Tom, uh, Trom keistering things. Yeah. I think um, we've covered everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think we went from... Have I keistered something ke- in the bathroom? Yeah, have you? Yeah. No, A small the, lotion We went bottle. from his girth yeah. um, to leadership. Held, very healthy prostate. Yeah. Not very healthy uh, prostate. Yeah. Sorry very good. I've checked it. There's also an image on his um, piece of paper that There's I probably should or yeah. yeah, it would be extra editing. So uh, last thing, Shmi, thanks for being here. Trom, thanks for being here. Can't wait for the uh, police ball tonight. Greg, dude, I've been pumped about this for a while. Yeah. You can ask me. Yeah. I've been talking about mm-hmm. it. Um, you guys were awesome. Other than that, both of you are coming back. And that's all I got. Let's do it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And peace, bird. Hope you're not dead.